Hello, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. I'm here with Casey, who is a... Well, how would you describe yourself, first of all, Casey? Oh, that's a good question. I am a lot of things. I consider myself a geek, first and foremost. I'm all about, I'm all about technology and, and the way we uh, interact with it in our everyday lives. Yeah, and we had, okay, ladies and germs, we had done this podcast before, and the sound was terrible. It was terrible, actually. And But it was so fascinating. I think I was, no kidding, like 45 minutes into it before I was like, wait a second. <laughs> this is so bad. The, the sound is so bad. Um, so let's talk about, um, okay. So, how to start this cold. Um, we were talking about social media and how, um, essentially, both of us are of the opinion that Facebook is going to have a too-big-to-fail situation really soon. Not really soon, maybe, but soon enough. Right? Correct? I think uh, Bell... Bell Media is going to be a better analogy where I think they're about to be broken up. Okay. Well, I have an international audience, so let's let's dig into that. Let's dig into Bell Media first of all. So, uh Bell is is still before my time, but they were a giant telecommunication company in the United States that was famously broken up for uh and under antitrust laws in the states and forced to sell off subdivisions and spin them into their own companies because they were just getting too monstrous and too mono too much of a monopoly. Okay, so wait, I'm learning something here. Like so Bell Media, which is on the the logo is on the Winnipeg Jets helmet this year, um, is the same as AT&T. Old old timey AT&T is what you're saying. So Bell Media in Canada is different than Bell, what Bell was in the States. Okay. Okay. All so right. on the on the Winnipeg Jets, it's Bell Media Canada. Bell, Bell doesn't exist in the States anymore. It used to be AT&T is one of what is what used to be part of it. But uh, I don't know all of the other divisions that got segregated off. Okay. So what's going on with Bell Media in Canada? So Bell Media in Canada is a telecommunications company that provides internet, TV, uh, phone, and cellular services. Arguably, they're one of the largest telecommunications companies here. Arguably, we don't have a great situation up here in Canada with that. Uh, we have three big companies that kind of form a monopoly of themselves. But that's a whole other thing. So how are they about to be broken up? Is this a government regulation situation or is this? Well, so in Canada, it's not going to happen, but it's going because it Bell was broken up in like the 60s in the States. Um, okay. But what's what's going to happen to Facebook? Uh, so Facebook famously, among many other purchases, bought Instagram and WhatsApp. And there are the currently several states are looking into into antitrust probes saying that Facebook need, that the, those purchases need to be undone. With those purchases, Facebook has become too much of a monopoly, too much and holds too much power. And so they need to be broken up. What's sneaky to me about Facebook owning particularly WhatsApp is until very recently, a whole lot of people did not know, were not aware that WhatsApp and Facebook were the same situation, oh, which yeah. is cre which is creepy because uh, WhatsApp would market itself as, "Hey, we're in, in encryption, everything is, you know, privacy, blah blah blah, yada, yay," and none of that was true, like none of it, yeah. <laughs> and like now. You go ahead. So WhatsApp was touted as privacy until very recently when Facebook 
decided to change the privacy policy language. And there was a ton of pushback and a lot of people dumped WhatsApp. And so they said, oh, hold on there. We we won't actually make these changes. And then like a month and a half later, they said, yeah, no, we're still going to make these changes. We're just hoping to do it quieter this time. Okay. Now, I have a lot of listeners, but I have one listener in particular who I'm not going to (laughs) name that I want you to address this person and explain to them why they should not have WhatsApp. So my, the general rule of thumb is if you are not paying for it, you are the, you are the product, not the customer. So you have if WhatsApp is incredibly expensive to run. There's hundreds of millions of messages, probably within minutes that get sent, published and pushed around the internet. And Facebook isn't doing this out of the love of their heart. They're doing it because they're building an advertising profile to you. Now, whether or not that's uh, a, a good exchange is a completely different question. But make no mistake that they absolutely are scraping as much data about you as they can. Okay. Now, like, let's say you live in a country where... Okay, let's say you live in a country where you, uh, your presence in that country, be it for political reasons or ethnic reasons or, or whatever, uh, is not, uh, shall we say, desirous of the group in power. Okay. Um, and you're a person with WhatsApp. Okay. But now you you have a regular job. You you yourself are not like an activist or or whatever, right? Um, So should these people have WhatsApp? It's probably safe. I would still use Signal because uh, Signal is is an open source alternative that is paid for by its community through donations. It's run by a not-for-profit. All the development is done open and in the public view. So you get a little bit more assurance that it's okay. I, I don't think Facebook is dumb enough to sell the data to countries like that. But when... When, when shit hits the fan, so to speak... Facebook services are going to be the first to go down and WhatsApp is going to, is going to be the first to be targeted. Well, right. And like we had talked about uh, the other day, um, I mean, I'm, I'm in several groups on Facebook and, and things. And I've just noticed anecdotally that people seem to be fleeing these groups um and i mean even just in you know people on facebook just my personal facebook to say nothing of my podcast facebook i mean i can i can tell you that people are not on facebook as much and this is yep. anecdotal i i don't have um hard data which gets us to something else we talked about uh, earlier, which was the, um, why don't you go into that? Like the, the advertisers and these like fake, uh, click bots, which were being created. Yeah. So, so when you post an ad to Facebook, Facebook provides analytic data about how many people have, have seen it, how many people have clicked it and how many, and you can track how many people went on to purchase something on your website, let's say. When it comes to a lot of their video content, Facebook has actually been come under fire for, I'm going to call it misleading practices. A lot of company, a lot of these large advertising companies have started to run their own analytic data through their own services and are finding that the two don't match up. And they're also finding that the difference in sales at the end of the day between running Facebook ads and not running Facebook ads is actually zero. 
they're not noticing an increase in sales, they're not noticing an increase in website traffic. And so this brings up the question of whether or not Facebook is actually properly showing this analytic data or whether or not they're inflating it. And what is the, I guess to use a colloquial term, what does the smart money say? Are they are they inflating it or, or what? So no one really knows. Um, Facebook is very obviously trying to uh, uh, sweep this under the rug. But the the biggest damnation, in my opinion, is the fact that a lot of these companies are are starting to run experiments about not running Facebook ads and noticing absolutely no difference in sales. And what's amazing to me about that, or amazing, you know, I should use different for uh, different descriptors. Uh, what's insightful to me about that is every Facebook ad that I personally see is very on the nose, okay? Yep. Like, I'll give you an example, right? Facebook knows that... I live in Metro Atlanta, okay? Facebook also knows that I am a sports fan in general and a fan of the Winnipeg Jets specifically. Okay? You it is I don't know what the word is, but it it is intriguing to me that from say the middle of September all the way to June I'll see over on the right-hand side, I'll see ads for Winnipeg hotels, right? Or ads for Winnipeg attractions, okay? That's interesting to me. Back when this was totally a tinfoil hat situation, I was telling people, I think Facebook can hear my phone calls on my phone through the app. And now we find out that that's totally real. Oh, yeah. Well, and not only that, but, uh, you know, a lot of this comes from cookies. In in recent years, there's been a lot more privacy laws come into place and everyone gets annoyed by the whole, this website uses cookies pop-up that comes up on every single website. Well, the reason why they do that is because they inject tracking scripts into your cookies so they can see what other websites you visited. And Facebook is absolutely one of the worst for this. One of the most interesting things that I personally noticed back when my internet speed was slower was when I went on tour, like when a TOR, the tour browser, when I go on tour and in the lower left-hand corner, you can see like tour defeats this, tour defeats that, tour defeats the other thing. You'd be amazed how many like tracking stuff that you're dragging yeah. with you, right? Everywhere you go. But it's just amazing the level of surveillance that Facebook has on people. And what's even more shocking to me is the degree to which we've accepted this in our lives simply so that we can like something or or take some kind of quiz that, that which pop punk band we are or... <laughs> like that it's just eh. yeah well and and that that's why there's strong legislation coming out of europe and california specifically about what kind of trafficking tracking you can do and how much consent is required the the interesting one is apple is actually taking it a step farther so coming out with ios 14.5 which is expected to be released very soon here Part of it will include that it you have to ask permission to have a tracking ID on the on your device, and Facebook is very much against this, which should tell you that it's probably actually a good thing. To the point where they took out a full page newspaper ad. I can't remember the exact newspaper saying how this was going to hurt small business, and combine that with the data with the 
interesting thing that a lot of companies are finding that Facebook ads are actually useless. It's not going to hurt small business. It's going to hurt Facebook. And it's going to hurt Facebook where it hurts the most. To me, like the... Okay, so when we're talking about Facebook ads, right? Like when you when you say the word Facebook ads, right? You're not are you talking about Instagram too or cuz okay. Yep. I should okay, wait. Let me cuz I'm assuming a level of of knowledge that not everybody has. Why don't why don't you humor us for a second and just run down all of the companies together we can do this. Um, if you want, but uh, Facebook has uh, WhatsApp, right? They have yep. Instagram. They have uh, Messenger. I would have to pull. Yeah, they have Messenger. I would have to pull up a Wikipedia list because Facebook is one of the companies that buys a startup every other week, just because well, they're working on something something you know, so, somewhat interesting. But the big ones is Messenger, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Joe Rogan has Jamie. I have my phone. Oh yeah, there's also Oculus, the VR. Uh, right, that's and come under that, its own fire. Okay, when I saw the thing about Oculus, I was like, "Oh, that's creepy," right? Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that is straight up creepy. Okay, so I'm just gonna read this list: uh, Oculus Virtual Reality. Uh, Atlas Solutions. I don't know what that is. Um, oh, okay. Acquired an advertiser suite from Microsoft. Something called FriendFeed. Uh, Onavo, Onavo. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, LiveRail, which is it's Giphy. So that's interesting. That they'll be able to tell more about you based on what gifts you throw out there. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But Wikipedia see, has 89 different companies. 89? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I did not know. I'm surprised 89. the list is that short. I figured it would be in the 200s. All right. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm going to leave a link in the description of this podcast to this Wikipedia article. And I want people, I want the people to, uh, to, to see this. Because when we say that Facebook is uh, probably a monopoly and most likely what this... Okay, so this is a company. Imagine, kids, right? A company that um, likes to say that it, it spends an awful lot of money to, to show a lot of young people with their photos of, you know, this is our little relationship and these are our friends and blah, blah, blah. But really, what it is, it's a, it's it's surveillance. It's it's surveillance that you entered into, true enough, but you didn't know what you were doing, right? Like when I started my relationship with Facebook many moons ago, right? I did not understand to the degree the degree to which this company surveils people, right? Oh, yeah. And that's why I wanted to have you on my podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Um, so why don't we, because you, we talked about it earlier, some of the things that some of these, some people are doing with this data that we can prove, they're getting around warrants just by buying up Facebook data. Um, yeah. So Facebook isn't actually the worst offender when it comes to getting around warrants. The biggest one is Clearview AI. They're a company that scraped public images of you from Facebook, from Instagram, from LinkedIn, from anywhere they could find you on the internet and built a profile of you. And what you can do is you can upload a photo of someone and it'll find all of your social media and all of your related, fo all the photos of you that have ever existed on the internet, basically. And what law enforcement can do is instead of getting a warrant to go after Facebook to say who is this person, they can go to Clearview AI, pay them to process the photo they have of you, 
and find you that way without a warrant, without involving the courts at all. Right. And technically in this country, that's, a, that's constitutional. But again, it's, it's really only constitutional because, because James Madison and company uh, didn't have Facebook in 17... 17- yeah. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> it, yeah. It's not so much uh, they left uh, they left this to happen. It's they never in their wild imagination, wildest imagination, would have ever imagined this happening. I mean, there's a thought experiment that I run a lot lately, and the thought experiment is okay. So I have a friend who passed away. Uh in 2005 right and i think to myself what would he if i explain this to him right what would he think you know if i explain this new thing to him how would he react to it what would he think yeah you know i do that all the time now with smartphones with websites with twitter you name it but when it came to yeah. like the new stuff with Facebook, I'm just like, you know, he would totally freak out. He would totally no, oh, yeah. get off, get off, stop. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and that that's absolutely what would happen. And it is happening today. People are leaving Facebook in droves. But how Facebook stays relevant is they buy up the current relevant thing. That's why they bought Instagram. That's why they bought WhatsApp. That's why they bought Oculus. And they've made it clear that their position is we're going to be relevant by buying what's relevant, whether you like it or not. Well, now, okay, but here's the thing that I wonder. Like, so I have, okay, so I have intellectual property, this podcast, okay, so I boost this podcast on Instagram and I boost this podcast on Twitter. And when I can, I boost it on Reddit, etc. I've noticed there's more people going to Reddit than there used to be for one. Yep. Like Reddit is resuscitating itself. I think I'm noticing, I could be wrong, but I think I'm noticing more people are coming back to Twitter but what I'm really noticing is Facebook is just, I mean, this is, it's going, it's, it, you know, people are leaving Facebook in droves. Yeah. Um. But the other thing I, I've noticed is I want you to ex- explain this to my listeners. Um. There's phenomenon where, what is it? It's like Facebook decided let me say this and then you see if I'm way off base or whatever. Uh, Facebook decided that the way to engage you is to make you angry. So it'll show you things that make you angry. Right. Did I get that right? So indirectly, that's absolutely what they've done. The death of the chronological feed was the start of this. Uh, And Facebook, all the companies have learned that chronological feeds do not keep you engaged nearly as long. And so they develop their own algorithms to show you exactly what they think you want to see and put that in front of you to keep you there as long as possible so that way they can show you more ads. And that's why nothing you see is sorted chronologically by default. Not Twitter, not Facebook, not even Instagram anymore. LinkedIn is the same. They, they All of them have to do this now. And... Angry is a very powerful emotion in a lot of people that will drive them to engage with the content. It's not the only emotion and it doesn't work on everyone. And I believe Facebook is at a point where they know what emotion to target you with to keep you engaged. You mean to target? Okay. When you say you like that, you're talking me specifically. Yeah. Or who? specifically to whoever is listening to this. Okay. So 
here's a thought, right? Here's a thought I'm having right now. Um, and we're going to shift it to Google. Okay. Um, so when I log on to tour, which is a browser that obscures tracking, blah, 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 because I want to like read foreign press or I want to, you know, I want to read foreign press or I want to, for whatever reason, I, I don't want this website to know that I'm American. Right. Yeah. Um, what I've noticed is when I go to a foreign news website, the news they show me is different if they yeah. don't know I'm an American. So that's that's one thing. The other thing I've noticed is after I use Tor for long enough, and it doesn't take too long, I'll go on my phone, which is a whole separate device, right? Which I have an Android phone. So I'll go on my phone. And I'll see all these news stories about like people, people got caught using Tor to, to you know, sex traffic children or, or drugs or what. Like the, it's obvious that Google does not want me using Tor. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely do not. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah, um? Go ahead. When we talk about the creepiness of Facebook, don't think Facebook is the only one. Google is just as bad. And Microsoft is, isn't there, not because they don't want to be, but because they're playing a little bit of catch up. Okay. All right. So you're saying Microsoft is going to be spying on me too someday, huh? Well, it's very clear with their push for the direction of Windows 10 that their biggest moneymaker is no longer going to be the OS. Oh yeah, because there there was this update. I remember before I had my podcast, there was this thing that Windows 10 had where every single time, because the only social media I really had was Facebook. And uh, so I don't know if it did this for Twitter or what, but every th single time anything happened adjacent to anybody that I was Facebook friends with. So Facebook would, it would, be like this thing like i'd be typing a, a doc or i'd be doing something else i wouldn't even be on the internet and it would be like hey so-and-so said this to such and such on facebook and that was so annoying <laughs> yes so crazy well it, and how many times has, has candy crush been downloaded on your computer without you asking right I, i've never used candy crush at all I've removed it from my Windows computer like six or seven times. What do you, I mean, okay, so who, okay, let's drill into that. Who owns Candy Crush first off? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, there, there's a couple very big unknown names that, so it, it's owned by King, who is, one of the largest game developers specifically for mobile games. So, okay. What? So King is taking this data from your computer and they're essentially selling it or they're saying, what are they doing with it? So their, their goal is to get you to buy their microtransactions. Micro microtransactions. Yes. So, okay. You get an extra life in the game or something like that. Oh, okay. I've, I've never played Candy Crush ever, so I don't I don't know. Yeah. Beans I, I haven't either, but apparently they got bought out by Activision, Blizzard. That's interesting. Yeah. Why is that it? Are they going to, you think Candy Crush is going to become um, more immersive or, or like what's going to happen? No, I just find that a completely weird acquisition. You know, Activision Blizzard um is most famous for death like full desktop experiences like Diablo, like World of Warcraft and Star Star not Star Citizen Starcraft. Yeah. Um so it just seems like mobile games like Candy Crush is just a completely different area than they're traditionally involved with. So it just stuck out I, to me. I had a podcast guest 
recently, very recently, who works in mobile gaming. And he's out, he's over in Europe. And he was talking about how mobile gaming is, is a serious business. Oh, yeah. And that's the business that um, they're getting into. Like, the, that's what the, the, cool, the cool companies, the cool kids, so to say, want to yeah. get into. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 a huge if you can get big, you can you'll you'll be humongous. Um right. There come, you know, when it, and a lot of it is driven by these microtransactions, you know, the idea that, you know, oh, well, you lost the round, but if you pay us, you know, a dollar, we'll let you continue anyways. And you, and you think about how much money can you make off of a dollar transaction? Well, the answer is actually tens of millions. And it's done by a very small percentage of actual users. But some users will just spend hundreds of thousands of dollars at a time on these transactions. Jesus, God. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. To play a game. That's... Uh, that's crazy. Wow. It absolutely is. That's 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 real money there, kids. Um that's Jesus. Huh. What about um okay, what was the other thing tech wise we were talking about? Um that we got into that was like okay. So you talked. Did, have we talked about the um, the click farms this time? No. Okay. Would um, you mind? Would you mind doing that? Yeah, and so going back, it's going back to the shadiness of the ad industry, and Google is in a very difficult position when it comes to preventing fraudulent ad clicks. So it's not hard to uh, imagine a scenario where someone creates a website and just has a, just has the computer click the advertisements to get to, to get the revenue because typically an ad, it costs an advertiser 10 cents every time someone clicks an ad and 80% of that goes to the person goes to the website creator. And so there's an obvious incentive for them to do it in such a way that as many people click the ad as possible. Well, and so they have to stop this. And so they have automation to try and detect these click farms. And it can be a very bad scenario for you if you get suspected of being a click farm. And as a small independent creator, if you're just trying to create your first Android app, and you put an ad in it, you have to be extremely careful not to be suspicious to get caught up in that because they'll, they'll ban you and you will have absolutely no recourse. There'll no person you can talk to that'll undo this. It's all. How would you, okay. So how would you accidentally get seen as a click farm? So part of the trouble is that these click farms will go to other people's websites and apps and click farm there to be seen as more legitimate by the algorithm. Okay, so if the click farm picks you. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so you could be working on this for, like, years or whatever, and then... Some click yep. farm decided to spotlight you, and then boom. Yep. Jesus. Oh yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah, it's it's rare, but it does happen. Okay, like how rare is it? Like, like. So statistics are are, are not obviously available. Um. I'm a member of the Android Dev subreddit, and some about once every three to four weeks, someone posts saying, "My app got banned from Google. What do I do?" 
And about a third of those are legitimate bands. So it happens every couple of months to someone. That's still that a community. lot. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot. But it's a very tiny percentage of actual apps being developed. Well, also, you got to think, like, most people in the world have Android, right? I mean, that's still true, right? Most people It's still true, but the market for Android is, where Android is very dominant, is a very different market than markets where iPhone is dominant. What What's the difference? Android is very popular in places with, to put it gently, are developing. They're developing nations. And I, I think specifically of India and Africa, where Android is, is absolutely dominant because these mid-range phones that are good enough to do what 90% of people do on a phone anyways are half the cost or a third of the cost of an iPhone. And so... It's a completely different customer base than what you get with Apple, which is why you always see Apple being the premium option. And as a developer, it's seen as you are more likely to get someone to purchase something in an app on an iPhone than you are an Android. But if you're doing an advertising-based model, there's way more people that you can do that to on Android. Why? Okay, so... There are some Android phones out there that are truly just breathtaking, staggering pieces of technology. I mean, objectively. So why is it that Apple is seen as the better phone by a lot of people? Is that marketing? That's absolutely what it is. It's the concept of a brand is way more than their product. How if it, it has to do with how they've cultivated themselves over the past thirty years, with the with the iPod being one of the best selling, uh, the best selling MP3 player, but it was seen as premium. It was seen as high quality. It was seen as simple to use. It, it was simply better than the alternatives. And they, they've taken that to a very strong degree with, with their Mac lineup. You know, the computers themselves, the exception of the M1 chip, have been on the, on the positive side of mediocre. They're slightly above average, but nothing spectacular. But they cost so much more because of their brand image of... They've, they've cultivated a marketing image of being premium, of being sleek, of how you feel about the product more than its tech specs. And they even like they even define what sleek is. I mean, if you look yep. at like Apple decided, oh, we don't need a headphone jack. Headphone jacks yep. go away. Um, Apple decided, um, like the phone, like the body of the phone itself. Yep. Right. Or like we want to have bigger phone, like bigger phones. So bigger phones became a thing or um, what's another one? Um, the pa- I hope the power port. Doesn't, I, I hope the uh, charger port doesn't go away because they're trying to kill that. I, I don't I think we're a little bit farther away from that one, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. I I oh. don't I I don't see that one not going away because getting at diagnostic and developer tools without a physical connector is difficult to say the least. How many people do that though? Not a lot, but they can't ignore that because so I'm a developer. I need a reliable connection to my phone to be able to test the apps I make. If I can't make those apps, apps are what drive an ecosystem for a, for a smartphone. 
And so they'd be shooting themselves in the foot by making that more difficult. Okay. So with you being a developer, what's uh, what kind of phone do you use? Or do you use different phones for different stuff? So I use an iPhone 11 Pro Max, personally, uh, mostly because I like the larger screen devices. Why I use an iPhone to start with is a bit of a complex question. Um, part of it is I wanted to get better at developing specifically iPhone apps because I started my career with Android. And part of it is I agree with Apple's stance on privacy. I disagree with Apple's stance on right to repair. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fanboy of the ecosystem, but I feel like it's, it's a trade-off that I've decided I'm willing to make. Yeah. I mean, now right to repair, uh, explain to my listeners, I know what that is, but explain to my listeners uh, what right to repair is. So... With the right to repair, it started in the automotive industry where everyone is familiar with they can go to their corner shop mechanic and have their car repaired. That's legally your right. The manufacturers have to provide parts. They have to provide manuals of how to repair them safely. And that was fought by the automotive industry in the 70s, maybe 80s, because uh, they wanted you to go to their dealerships for repairs and only their dealerships. Tesla is obviously trying to go against that now as well. But the, the, the ability to repair a device yourself economically and, and be it realistically feasible is not extended to the consumer electronic world. If you have a broken iPhone, Apple wants you to go to them and them only and let them make the decision of whether it's worth fixing or replacing where they have an obvious incentive to get you to replace it because that'll cost, that'll cost you more. You think that's, Apple, that actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. And Apple has gone to extents of if you replace specific parts, they'll actually break your iPhone altogether. If it wasn't done by an Apple authorized person. You mean the how, how do you mean that they'll break the phone altogether? If you re it, so on the iPhone 12, if you replace the battery, the iPhone will not start up. You have to go through a special tool to tell the iPhone it's okay. We just installed a new battery, and you only get access to that tool if you're an authorized person. And that's, I guess that's one of the governors about phones in general is phones have to have, like, in my experience, like, a phone, the way I say it is a phone has a relationship with the battery, right? Yep. So the lifespan of that battery is going to dictate to a huge degree that the lifespan of your phone. Yep. Um. And so you don't see that changing anytime, anytime in the near future, I would say. No, Apple, Apple has keeps making more and more steps to restricting what can and cannot be repaired. And they're very much against lobbying. They're lobbying against right to repair bills that are, have been proposed in several, several different jurisdictions. I guess I guess it's fair to say that I mean obviously smartphones aren't a fad or or whatever but do you think the rectangle form is going to be with us for the duration or do you see other form factors coming down the road or 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 like uh, cuz you know they have the the threefold and the twofold I think Samsung I don't think have... foldables are going to go anywhere uh, I said that about big phones too, though. I remember I used to work for Best Buy Mobile when the Note, Samsung's Note, first came out, and I remember thinking that was ridiculous. So I don't have a great track record, but I think foldables for most people is obnoxious for what most people do on their phone. If you are, 
someone whose productivity is very tied to your phone, like emails and spreadsheets and things like that, foldables have a clear advantage for you. But I, you know, for the average person who checks social media, you don't really get anything from the extra screen real estate and the added complexity and cost aren't worth it. In my opinion, I think the next major form factor hasn't been invented yet. It's going to be as revolutionary as the smartphone was itself. It, potential candidate candidates are augmented reality, although nobody's really had a track record with that yet, so I don't know what that form factor will actually look like. But it's going to be something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think... Um... I disagree slightly. I think that if you could sell a use case to a specific group of people, whoever that is, a specific group of cool people, that, hey, you could have this thing and you could take a, a powerful computer that you could fold out and just use and then fold it back and put it in your pocket, right? I totally think that not the clamshell form factor, but the other form, the I guess the book form factor or the threefold, I think that would work. Um, but you'd have to get it to where it would, be, it would be pocketable, at least in men's clothing, right? Um, do you know what I'm saying? So that factor, that's so the whole idea of turning your smartphone into a computer is not even close to new. And has failed every single time. It's been tried by Motorola with the Motorola Atrix for the six people that will remember what that phone was. And Samsung has tried a, a very big push for that as well. And the reality is that use case isn't strong because nowadays most people's computer access is dictated by work. And work wants a separate device for security reasons. They want you to use their laptop with their security software and they don't want you using they don't they don't want they don't want you dicking around on the internet, potentially exposing it to viruses and malware and all of those dangers. They want you using your social media on your own device, which is on a on a generic smartphone. And so you don't get extra benefits from the extra screen real estate for using Facebook or Twitter. Right. But, and I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I agree that for most people, but I'm talking about, um, so, okay. When the smartphone at all first came out, like the iPhone, I literally thought, Oh, this will go nowhere. Right. And then, the the world just sort of proved me wrong because you could come up with people, humans came up with their own separate use case for it. Right. That's fair. And I think that right now you and I are sitting here thinking about Twitter and whatever in Facebook, but we just talked about how Facebook is going away. But what if you had like a TikTok situation or, um, that wasn't TikTok, like TikTok that wasn't TikTok or YouTube that was much more social or something like that, right? That was really popular and also really useful, not just popular, but like useful. Like Twitter to me is useful. Yeah. It's not just cool. It's useful, right? Where Reddit is totally useful, right? But I don't know that Facebook is useful. So I agree with that. And that's why I think it's going to be a completely different form factor, like augmented reality. I, if we're going to get away from the square, it's going to be with a completely different class of device. And it's going to drive a next generation of social media because the old social media isn't going to extend very well to this new form factor. Uh, you know, and we'll be having these privacy d debates again in 15 years, but. Well, I mean, either that or in 15 years, people will be like, you know, 
dad and mom, they're, they're on about this thing called privacy. But me, <laughs> you know, right? It's actually the other way around. It's the young people that care about privacy the most. Uh, yeah, because uh, the privacy concepts are... It come so I, I think of my parents and the concept of privacy just on the internet isn't something they grew up with so it's foreign to them no matter even if they get it it's still foreign where I grew up in the internet and grew up with the notion of privacy on the internet and how that works and how it doesn't work and so there are a lot of people that simply don't care but I think they're aware of it Okay, um, so okay, that's interesting. So you're saying like the kids, um, so well that makes sense though because of Snapchat and because, like I would imagine, um, I would imagine every girl of an age has at least had the experience of being asked for nudes by a boy or. Or something like yep. that. Um, but also, like, there was that. Uh, did I talk to you about this? Or was it somebody else? I don't even remember. Uh, but the Peloton commercial. Do you remember the Peloton commercial? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the uh, what do you call it? Like the, the stationary um, thing? I know of it, but I don't know what specific commercial you're talking about. Okay, there was a commercial where and it was so bland but it was like this commercial of like this young lady who had been given a peloton for we assume christmas by her husband or boyfriend or whatever and the internet essentially decided that she was a sex slave and that they went off in all these weird directions right and this was supposed to be funny but i was like you know I mean, this is a little creepy that you're looking at a oh, normal yeah. commercial. Does it? Are you ringing bells now? I, I, that's it's that's completely new to me. I have never heard of this. Okay, I won't read um, it, but I've. I... Yeah, it was this whole big dust up for, I don't know how long, but not that long ago, but maybe for a couple days or a week or two weeks or whatever, and. But it was really weird because, like, this is where you're looking at a normal commercial of a man giving a woman a, a very expensive present, but a present nonetheless. And this is where you go with it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and um, it was just like, to me, like, I immediately thought, either one of two things is going on. Either we have way too much, we have an entire generation that is grown up with free porn, or we have all these content creators that need to yell about something to get attention. A little bit of A, a little bit of B. Column A, column B, right? right. Yeah. And, yeah, but... Um, and then I find out I interviewed a guest uh, that he worked for Peloton, and I found out they had music, and I didn't even know any of that. But yeah, but uh, I just huh. you know I yeah go ahead. I, I I'm just completely thrown into left field by that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you can actually find these tape. You can find these videos on YouTube. It's totally crazy. It's completely nuts. And what's even crazier yeah. to me is what's even crazier to me is like you're the second person I've said this to for this podcast and the other person didn't remember it either. So it, that that tells me that that's where our news cycle is now, where something'll happen the internet will the internet will go off about it, and then everything will return to normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, where do you think uh, content creation is going? 
I think that the, I, I, I think content creation is going to continue going the way of YouTube and Netflix and internet streaming. The, the quote unquote cord cutters movement is very quickly growing still. And a, a, a lot of this is because people are pissed off with cable and a lot of people don't like the old model and are going to continue looking for shorter content that's easier to absorb and it's cheaper. I mean, that's, that's and, cheaper. Yeah, and cheaper. And also like you're running into this problem in the States where you've got these people that like they live in these suburbs or like cities or wherever. And they decided like cable in the States is expensive. Like it's really yep. expensive. And they've just decided we're going to cut the cord. And like, you might be, you know, like you might be a Braves fan or you might be a Cubs fan or whatever, but you're like, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not paying $350 a month for cable. Yeah. And you've got like your, your RSNs are like, Oh my God, we're not getting eyeballs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the line I saw was, um, I think the line I saw was, um, if this were, if this were Ford, right. So like if, if the cord cutting was Ford and Ford was going out of business, this would literally be on every, the, the news story on every paper. Yep. All, you know, every week, every day. I forget what but the guess number who owns is. The newspapers. What's up? Oh, with the news. But guess yeah. who owns the newspapers? Yeah. Com- well, Cox. It's the old and, school media. Right. And the old school media doesn't really want you knowing that cord cutting's a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's funny because some people think it's so hard and it's, it's impossible to do. It's not, I mean, it's, it, it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper. Uh, so when I moved of, out on my own five years ago, I have not had cable. I have never had a cable subscription. Yeah. So you're, you're a cord never actually. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was a I was a cord cutter before that was a thing. Like before that word existed. Casey, is there anything you want to say about technology? About technology, I don't have anything off the top of my head. I It's one of those there's just I I'm very involved in technology and monitor where the industry is going, so I just tend to have so many different opinions on so many different areas. So what I wanted to do with this podcast was I wanted to get out in front of something I believe is going to be a huge news story, and that is basically that a lot of people, what I call the normies, are moving away from Facebook. And I think that's going to be disastrous for our privacy rights and for just people in general because the only thing Facebook has to sell in a basically a bankruptcy proceeding or whatever is going to be our data which they have a lot of and this is going to be a problem that we in this country are going to be vulnerable to because in every other country so like in Europe for example Europe already has the right to be forgotten and I believe Europe is going to be out front on Facebook when and if Facebook goes out of business and I think that's going to be basically I don't think it's an if situation. I think it's a win situation. And also, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that basically, um, so when you use the Facebook Messenger to call people or the WhatsApp Messenger to call people, there's nothing in the world preventing Facebook from basically from taking that call and, and basically scraping it for data and whatever. And I think this is uh, really a very dangerous and problematic situation to say the very least I'm going to leave a couple of links below in the description um, I want people to see the Peloton ad 
And I also want to give you a flavor of what some of these social media content creators were were saying about the Peloton uh, commercial. But I also want to leave you a link for the the things that Facebook owns and even the things that Wikipedia owns. Anyway, I want to thank Casey a lot for coming on my show and having a chat. And uh, all right, everybody. I'll see you later. And uh, as always, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. All right. uh, Bye-bye.